Our text this morning is going to be the book of Hebrews, chapter 13. We're going to read together verses 7 through 15. And our emphasis is going to be verses 13 through 14, which will be understood in the context of the entire book, of course, but especially in the verses that we will be looking at together. This is the word of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 13, beginning with verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin and burn, or burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him. The King James Version has, therefore, let us go forth. Let us go forth to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, acknowledge and acknowledge his name. The word of the Lord, let he who hath an ear hear it this morning. Amen. Bring that to me. <clears throat> Thank you, my brother. Again, verses 13 through 14. Therefore, let us go to him. Let us go forth to him outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. I was thinking about this and it's, I started thinking about this because of some funerals that I've been going to lately and started praying about the stand that we as the people of God should be making, things we should be saying, postures we should be taking. And the author of this book is taking a posture. He's taking a stand. And he's making a sound that's like the sound of a trumpet. It's like a, it's like a battle cry. This is the voice of somebody who speaks with authority. He speaks with authority because he's someone who has himself been spoken to by a greater authority. Who has not only been spoken to by a greater authority, but he has obeyed what's been spoken to him and he's gone forth. He's went forward. He's done what he was supposed to do. And he, this man that writes this to us, he calls on us to follow his example. 
It's not something that we just read and memorize, but it's something that we do. It's not blessed to those who hear the Word of God, but it's blessed to those who hear and do or hear and keep the Word of God. He calls on us to follow His example. This is the voice, then, of a leader. He's a man like Moses. Moses had heard the voice of God. God had spoke to him, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the wilderness. And he had told him something to do, to go set his people free, to go into the midst of Egypt and speak to Pharaoh, the leader of the entire nation, and all the leaders that were under this man. He calls on Israel then to follow him, to go with him, leave this. He, he puts himself at their head and he cries out, to the people of Israel to leave this land, quit this land of Egypt, leave this house of bondage and leave these flesh pots and follow me. Follow me. Let us go forth. Let us go outside the gate. Let us go forth, says this man. And this, my friends, is a call that is urgent. It's an urgent call. It must not be slighted. We must hear it. And I pray that you will have ears to hear this morning, eyes to see and hearts to receive. We cannot be wimpy, if you'll let me use that word, about this. We mustn't linger here. We mustn't hesitate. We must go forth. And who is the one who makes the call? Well, I say it's the Apostle Paul. A lot of people, and we're not going to get into this, disagree with that, and a lot of people agree with it. But I would say as the Apostle Paul, because I see much of what is reflected here, is what is said here is nothing but an echo of what Paul has already said many times, many times over. And so I'll say I can't accept it just because it's a stylistic difference in the book of Hebrews than that from Paul. I have a different style of speaking to people depending on who I'm talking to, what I'm talking about, and where I'm at. When I talk to y'all, I talk one way. On, one side, on the west side of the uh, Angelito River, I try to speak one way. And on the east side, I try to speak another way. And it depends. I don't always succeed on the west side doing like I really ought to. <laughs> oh. But my point is, is that uh, uh, there's different styles depending on who you're talking to and what you're talking about. And so we'll just for the sake of the argument say, okay, Brother Cecil Paul, we'll let it be Paul. All right? And so we say that it's Paul, the apostle, that's calling. Paul, the servant of Jesus Christ, that's making this call. Paul, who's saying, come, go forward, let us go outside. This is the man who was once Saul of Tarsus. The man who was once a persecutor. He was once a blasphemer. He was once, in his own, by his words of his own mouth, he was once a murderer. A murderer who had assisted in casting out Stephen, who had assisted and sanctioned the murder of the man, the saint, Stephen. But now he cries something different from what he was crying at that point. He's crying something different. He's saying, let us go forth. Let us go outside the gate. Let's go with him, which we'll look at more closely in a moment. Let's go forth. Remember, Years before, he had gone out. He had already said this, follow me as I follow Christ. 
He had gone out. He had left all for Christ. He counted, he says in Philippians chapter 3, all things is rubbish for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, his Lord. Everything is nothing but rubbish compared to knowing him. He cries out again, let us go forth. Let us press on. Let us strain forward. Let us press on to the goal of the upward call of God that is found in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 14. Press on. So what does that, what does that say to us? What does it say to me? What do I see in this? I see that this going forth, this going to him outside the camp, it's going forth is not a thing that's just done once. It's not just done once when we believed or when we were forgiven, were forgiven or we walked the aisle or we made our profession of faith or we had our baptism. It's not just done once. No, my friends, this going forth, this pressing on is a lifelong thing. It goes on. It is the taking up of the cross daily, which our master speaks of in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. If you look there with me, just to nail this in, Luke chapter 9, Verse 23. Let's start there. And he said to all, not just to the apostles, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Listen carefully. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Very important. So it's not. It's, it's important for us to understand it's not a one-time thing. It's a taking up the cross daily. We don't go forth once, do we? No, no, no. We are like Abraham. We are like Abraham who left Ur of the Chaldees, right? And, and he kept on going. He was pursuing something. He was pressing on. Just turn back, if you're still in Hebrews, and look at chapter 11 with me. Speaking of Abraham, verses 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. So, like Abraham, like Moses, who 
after he left Egypt, kept the people pressing on, going on, going forward. Like Abraham and Moses, we don't encounter then just one time the shame, the scandal, the reproach, and the bitterness. Not just once. And a lot of people have never encountered that. In their case, and in our own case, there is a constant going forth. A constant going on. And yet, while that is happening, there is a remaining here and a forsaking all for Christ. There's a coming out and being separate. And yet, continuing here on this earth in the midst of temptations, in the midst of hostilities of a world where everything is evil. That's part that goes on in all of our lives. So who is called? Who is called to do this? Let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. Who is he calling? He's calling the church of God. It's a call to the redeemed of the Lord. It's a call to those that have been delivered from this present evil world. Paul introduces himself to the church of Galatia and he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God. That's who the call is to. He speaks to the church, not just of that day, but he speaks to the church of all ages, to us as to these, as he spoke to the Hebrew saints, as he spoke to the Philippian saints, as he spoke to the saints of the church of Ephesus and the church of the Galatians. He speaks to them and he also speaks to us. To each and every one of us he speaks. There's a problem I feel like that we have in understanding a mark of a healthy church. We don't really realize what evangelism is. We don't really realize what a missionary work is. We're satisfied that missionary work is just sending someone to Honduras or missionary work is just sending this guy over here and this guy over there. No, we're all called. To each and every one of us, we're called as missionaries, as disciples of Christ. And we're not called, my friends, just to go out and get somebody to make a decision, are we? No, we Look at the church in Matthew chapter 28. The last words that Christ is saying to them is go forth, go into all the world and get everybody to make a decision. That's not what he says, is it? No, make disciples. And that was the church. Jesus and those men were the church represented in the earth at that point in time. And that continues on, not just for them, not just for the Hebrews or the Galatians, but it continues on for me and for you to be making disciples of people. Ask yourself, who am I discipling? Have you ever thought about discipling people, having someone into your home, 
Opening your home to them, your heart to them, your table to them, your book to them, your life to them. So that you might make disciples of them. Or are you just looking to be made a disciple? Give, my friends, and it will be given unto you. Chased a rabbit there. And so, to each of us he speaks. And he leads us. He not only points, but he leads. He's like a general, this man is, that says, that gives this trumpet sound. He's like a general at the head of his troops. And he says, let's go forth. General Lee was always after General Longstreet, after the death of Stonewall Jackson. He was always getting on to him because he said, General, you always are too close to the front. And Longstreet would always say, but General Lee, I can't lead from the back. I'm going to lead from the front. We're all called in some form or fashion or shape to do this, to be leaders here. To each of every one of us, he speaks and he says, let's go forth. And no one, my friends, no one can excuse himself here. They can't say, well, now this doesn't apply to me. My circumstances don't require this. I'm a Christian man in the midst of Christian men. I'm the member of a Christian church and I'm living a life that is above reproach. How can it apply to me? Does that echo somebody in your mind? Paul thought of himself in just that way. <laughs> I am a Pharisee among the Pharisees. As far as the law is concerned, I am blameless. There is nothing wrong with me. I don't need any of this stuff that has to do with what Jesus was preaching. I don't need to follow this guy. He doesn't even have a place to lay his head. The son of a carpenter. Who is this guy? He's never been to seminary. He's, whose feet has he set at? Hmm. Sounds like that. It can't apply to me, but it does apply to you, this servant says. Let us go forth. It does apply to you. It does apply to me. And when he applies this to us by using the words that he uses here, he is only echoing the master's words to all of his disciples. Are you a disciple of Christ? Let us go forth, go forward, go forth. And so we ask, okay, Sister Paul, where are we going? <laughs> go forth, yeah. Well, a leader has to lead someone, the people somewhere. Let's go forth. Where do we go? Well, the answer's right here. Let us go to him outside the camp. <laughs> outside the designated campground. Let us go to him, to the place of shame and reproach. Let us go to the place where Jesus suffered that we might be identified with him and have fellowship with him. 
Do we bear his name? Are we identified with him? We are identified with him and so we endure with him. That's what Paul is talking about in Colossians chapter 1. Heard somebody say they've been reading that this morning. Colossians chapter 1 verse 24. Paul's not filling anything up that was lacking in Christ here because Christ's life, Christ's death, Christ's sacrifice and everything about Christ was sufficient. It was perfect. But Paul says this, now I rejoice in my suffering. I rejoice in that. I rejoice in my suffering for your sake and in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body that is the church. This becomes a reality as we identify ourselves with Christ outside the gate, outside of the camp. We identify with his suffering. We identify with his shame. And when you... Start following Christ. That's something you're going to have to identify with because I promise you the world is going to hate you and the world is going to shame you. This place of shame and reproach. What camp is this? Let's go outside the camp. Well, it's the camp of Israel. This is the figure, this is the figure that is taken from the encampment of the people of Israel in the desert. They were always making camp. And it corresponds to the city outside of whose gates, Jerusalem. It corresponds to the city outside of whose gates the great sin offering went. The lamb slain before all the foundations of the world went. He went bearing our sins, taking our iniquity upon himself, being chastised for our peace, taking wounds that we might be healed, rejected of men. And he goes giving us an example to follow in his steps. And so we go to him outside the camp. And we're content to be what he was. What was that? Think about it. Rejected of men. An outcast. It's not merely go forth out of Egypt. Go forth out of the world. It's not merely leave Babylon. But it is to go out of the camp. It was Israel that rejected Christ. It was Jerusalem that cast him out. It wasn't the Romans, but the Jews, the people of God who cried out, crucify him, crucify him. We don't want this man. Give us this man. Give us the murderer Barabbas. It was the church of that time It was the professing religious men. 
It was the Pharisee which hated and reviled Christ. It was the Pharisee and the leaders of the people that stirred up the people to seek his death. And what are we being called to do here? We're being called from all such hollow profession. We're being called from mere formal Christianity. We're being called out of mere churchism. We're being called away from nominal religion or religiosity or religiousness. From those things we are to go forth. Go outside the camp. It's all around us. It's on every side. It tempts us. It opposes us. It reproaches us. It speaks of us as overly religious people, too heavenly minded to be any earthly good, ridicules and makes fun of us. But let us not, my friends, because of these taunts and because of these temptations, give ground and try meeting them halfway. How many are doing it? In the religious society, taunting people who are sola scripturis, for lack of a better word, who are going outside the camp. And how many churches are saying, okay, we'll meet you halfway? Never mind what the scripture says, as long as we can warm the seats. No, 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 no. The battle cry is no, let's go forth with him outside this camp. Let's resist. Let's resist. Let's go forth. It, it can't be helped to understand that. I understand that every day we come in contact with this thing. But we must not, even though we come in contact with it every day, we must not become assimilated to it or lower our protest against it. I heard him, Mark, Brother Art saying this morning, thank God he found the church that makes a stand and cries out loud and long against abortion. It's a sin. And against anything and everything that we can see that does not concur with God's holy word. But that's not everywhere. And I promise you I'm not saying we've got it and everybody else is looking for it, far from it. We've got the war inside our own camp, inside our own house. We must be in the midst of it, but we must stand apart from it. From all and any unreal religion, from dubious Christianity, let us go forth. Are we Christians? Then let us be so then. Out and out, Christians. In word and in deed, let us be Christians. <laughs> Do you think our Lord was wishy-washy wherever he went, wimpy wherever he went? Did he meet people halfway? Where did he meet Nicodemus? Where do you meet Paul? Let us be Christians 
in word and deed, in the inner and man, in the outer man, and in our non-conformity to the world. Non-conformity to the world. Hear the word of the Lord that you might not be conformed, but that you might be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And for that to happen, my friends, you're going to have to, in light of who you understand God to be, out of Romans 1 through 11, beginning in verse 12, offer your bodies as living and holy sacrifices and pray that they are acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service to worship. All that you are, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your body, take me. So, we're going to be Christians in our protest we're going to be Christians in our protest against the lifeless and powerless forms of godliness having a form of godliness says Paul and denying the power thereof and that is a curse that is an enemy which all churches and lands have seen from the very beginning and so it is from all this hollowness this unreality, this heartless formalism. We need to go forth. Even though in doing so, we have to bear the reproach of Christ. Woe, woe, woe. I'm echoing my Lord. Woe to those who are content with death instead of life. Woe to those that are content with the shell instead of the kernel. Woe to those who are content with the dogma instead of the person. I hear a lot of people talking about being reformed and getting in the reform circles, but for a lot of people I'm finding it to be nothing but a... Uh, something that satisfies their intellectual itch. An answer. Is Christ the center of it? That's the question we have to ask. Woe to those who are content with the routine of duty instead of joy and light the love and the liberty which by the power of the Holy Spirit are realized where the gospel is preached and received and God's testimony to His own Son is accepted as true and divine. Living religion, my friends, must expect reproach especially from those to whom Christianity is only a creed. It's only a name. It's only a church building. You can count on, you can count on this. And so you can be prepared to bear this reproach as a reproach of Christ. So let us go forth following Christ, following Paul, following all the saints that we've read about in history.
Following Paul, where did that lead him? Following Christ, where did that lead him? All the saints that we read about. You read about the revivals. Where did Whitfield find himself preaching once God came, became a living God to him and the Word became a living Word to him? He was having to preach on a stump for the second great awakening because the church house doors was closed to him. Why was Latimer and Ridley burned? Why were 200 or 300 burned or choked to death or drowned during the reign of Mary by what was supposed to be the church, the religious society? Why was John Knox haunted? Why was Tyndall hung? Why was Huss burned at the stake? You see what a pedigree we're a part of? So let's go forth following Christ in these men. And let us go forth as we're encouraged in Hebrews chapter 10 with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Let us go forth with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold fast the confession of our faith. Listen to me without wavering. Be consistent and bold. Bold as lions. Harmless as doves. And let the trumpet that we sound make no uncertain sound. May it be clear and distinct. No uncertain sound. Well, I'll ask you something. Is formal, if formalism is a true religion, then take it and use it. And see how it will serve you in that great day, the day that's coming. If mere membership of a Christian church, baptism, if that will do, then try it. Try it and see if it will stand the fire. See if it will be there when everything that can be shaken is shaken. See if it will stand in the midst of the God who is a consuming fire. Look at Proverbs chapter 24, verses 11 through 12 with me. This verse has very much been in my heart. For several months now, Found no, no, no telling how many times I've read the book of Proverbs. And now this leaps off the pages. And now the word becomes alive. It speaks to me. And I had read this and I went to a funeral. I went to a funeral of a young man that was 24 years old that I had preached to, testified to, shared the gospel with, bought a Bible and gave it to him, but I had never seen anything that would say to me that the young man is a Christian. He was a young man that had everything in the world. He had a good job. He had good training. He was making 30-something dollars an hour. He had the finest of trucks. He had a big four-wheeler that was go mud hogging in, and he loved to do that, and he loved the party. He was a good-looking young man. He was a handsome young man. He was an amiable, amiable young man. But I got a call one Friday night and said, Brother Cecil Paul, guess what? 
I'm not going to call his name, has shot himself and he's dead in a parking lot outside of a beer hall. I think, God, what, what more could I have done? Does God, maybe merciful God in a moment, maybe something had happened before, but what was so heartbreaking was when I went to the funeral and a man stood behind the pulpit with an open Bible and he lied to the people. He gave them a false hope. A false security. He told them things that wasn't true about God and about heaven. And I wanted to rise up and say, he is a liar. This is not true. Don't believe it. What reproach would that have brought? <laughs> In verse 10 of Hebrews chapter 24, it says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. But rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are, being who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does, he, does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? You're called outside of the camp. We're called outside of the camp right here. There are people that are being, my friends, like taken away to death. And there are people that because of false leading are stumbling to the slaughter. There's going to be a slaughter on the day of judgment. There are people who are dying, if you will, and going to hell. This man said that he could just imagine this young man, the preacher did at that funeral, standing at St. Peter's gate and having a conversation with St. Peter and this young man saying, well, I was just wondering where my four-wheeler's at and where are the mud holes in heaven and when are the rest of my buddies going to be here so that we can have a good time and have a good party and enjoy things. He said, I can just imagine a smile on Peter's face and he says, well, it's just right down here. Those people were listening to that. They were given no hope, no rocks to stand on. And it's all around us. It's at 95% of the funerals that I go to where men have an opportunity to preach Christ if they can't say anything about the life. But for the well done of men, for the pleasing of the crowd, to not have to bear any kind of shame or reproach or rejection, we speak lies with our mouths, with our actions, or with our lack of actions and our lack of words. My friends, the time is short and the issues are of infinite and eternal importance. Can I get that through your heads? The issue at stake here is of eternal importance. And so let us make sure. Is it sand or is it rock that our house is built on? Will it stand the storm? Will it stand the flood? 
It's good, I would say, to be called by the name of Christ when we are. You've taken the name of Christ to yourself. Have you? You're a Christian. You're a Christian that's having the cup of His Word offered to you today. Are you thirsty for it? Or do you want just to wet your lips or do you don't care? It's good to be called a Christian, to be called by the name of Christ. But when we rejoice in that, let's remember what is written in Paul by the Holy Spirit as he spoke to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 19. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Forsake it. Go forward from it. Depart. My friends, we are responsible for acting up to all that God has revealed. And listen very carefully, church. And you are especially responsible for acting up to all that our profession implies. Have you made a profession of faith in this church? Has God revealed His Word to you? Have you children made a profession of faith? Are you named by the name of Christ? Then we are especially responsible for acting up to all that our profession implies. And how much, I'll let you ask that, does this profession of faith that you have made, how much does it imply? How much is expected of us? Do we ask that question? Or do we just come to church as a duty? Something we do. Whatever the cost, let's go forth. Let's shake off all falsehood. And let's, let's all deal honestly with ourselves. Honesty is a good thing. But we need to deal honestly with ourselves. We need to deal honestly with our conscience and with our Bibles. How many people read the Bibles, read their Bibles, and their conscience might say something, but they just kind of shove it aside. They're not honest. Are you a Christian? Yes, I've made a profession. Okay. Are you honest with what this says? What God has instructed us to do? Do you love it? Do you delight in it? Let us deal honestly then with our Bibles, with our conscience, with our creed, with Christ, and with the Spirit of God. Let's be careful that we do not despise prophesying. That's what I'm doing here. And thus quench the Holy Spirit. Do you ever think about the fact that you might quench the Holy Spirit? You might grieve the Holy Spirit of God. God who is in you, dwells in you. To will and to work and to do His good pleasure. Everything on our part should be in sincerities. Because all is sincerity. Sincerity. 
on the part of the one with whom we have to do. So let's deal boldly with error. Let's deal boldly with truth, boldly with unbelief, and boldly with faith. We're very bold to go up and say, shake the hands of the guy that believes like we believe and has faith like we have faith. But let's be bold. Wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Let's be bold. We must not be cowards in the things of God or in the battle of the cross. And it is a battle, my friends. Fighting the fight, the fight of faith. We must not hesitate. We must not doubt. We mustn't be slow as if Christ has never come and as if the gospel is not good news. We've got good news to share with people. Why hesitate? Why back up? Christ is good news. What He's done is good news. What He's doing is good news. What He's going to do is good news. The gospel has come. Christ has come. And we mustn't be cowards and act as if it doesn't matter if we serve Him believingly or doubtingly. If we serve Him hesitatingly or powerfully, it doesn't matter. Oh, yes, it does. It does. Deny yourself and follow me. Are you ashamed of me? Then I'll be ashamed of you. If you're ashamed of Him, I want to tell you something. It's because you don't know Him. That's why. Because He's nothing to be ashamed of. Glorious, majestic God. Left heaven and came to earth. Became poor that we might become rich. <laughs> Took our sins that we suffered death that we might live. Became destitute and hopeless and helpless that we might be just the reverse of all of that. How can we be ashamed of Him? How can we be ashamed of His gospel, of His word? How can we be ashamed of the truth, knowing that He is the way, the truth, and the life, knowing that it is the truth that will set you free? It is the truth and nothing else. We need to go forth rejoicing that we're counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. Don't be afraid, my friends, of the enemy or of his sneer, of his scoffing or of his jokes. They used to call me, and they still do, lots of them, when I was working out, and I'm still working out in that force. You know what they call me? Preacher. <laughs> you know why they call me that? Because I was preaching every chance I got. Don't be afraid of him. Let's not be ashamed of Christ or of his gospel or of his cross or of his crown or of his kingdom. He is the Lord of lords. He is the King of kings. God forbid, says Paul in Galatians 6, 14, that we should glory in anything save the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world was crucified unto me and I unto the world. I glory in the cross of Christ. Let me tell you about his cross. Let me tell you about the one that died there, that came to die there, that made an eternal covenant of redemption with the Father and the Holy Spirit before the foundations of the earth was ever laid, that he would come and set God's elect people free 
Let me tell you about him. God forbid that I should ever glory in anything other than that. Let the world know our hope. Let the world see our joy, not just once, not just twice, but always, every day, day by day. Let the world see our face shine with the peace and the gladness of the people who know their Lord. This kind of going forth will make us strangers here. That should be okay. But you have to ask yourself honestly, is it? But we have something before us that is better than this here. Do we not? Something that is better than the tents that we leave. The continuing city. A lasting city that we read about just a moment ago. Let me read it to you again in Hebrews 13. And also, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11, something that we just read. We're going to read it again <clears throat> about Abraham. The apostle says, Verse 13 and 14, especially 14, Therefore let us go to him outside the camp, and a lot of people don't like this part of it, and bear the reproach he endured. And here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. We seek that. And so we're going to be strangers here, but there's something better than the tents that we're going to leave behind. We're to look forward to the city as Abraham was looking forward to the city, that city that had foundations and whose design and builder is God. Hebrews 11 verse 10, speaking of Abraham who obeyed the Lord and he went out to a place. And then he says, verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer our maker and builder is God. We should live then as the people who know their citizenship. Where's your citizenship at? I go from here to Okinawa or some other place. I'm proud to be an American. I got Texas hat. I got a horns hat so everybody know I, even I'm from Texas. I'm proud to be an American. I'm more proud to be a Texan. Right? Okay? I am. I want everybody to know I'm jogging and I've got my horns cap on. Yeah. Sorry A&M boys, but that's, I just want them to see those horns. I want them to know. I want them to know that I, where my citizenship is at. And that's the way it should be with all of us. We should live as a people who know their citizenship and believe in the glory of the city to which we're going and want everybody else to know where our citizenship is at. We have no lasting city here, but we're going to where there is a lasting city whose builder and foundation is God. Praise God. And so with the hope and prospects that belong to us, we can ask ourselves, what then is reproach? What is hatred? What is it to even lose all things as Paul had lost all things? The inheritance that Peter speaks of, incorruptible and undefiled, that passes not away, 
that's kept for you in, in heaven by God, <laughs> it makes up for everything. For everything. So let us be separate and unspotted from the world. And in no way, and I'm about to close, on no pretext are we to lower our standards thinking that maybe we could win souls by being unfaithful to Christ. We're not going to win souls by being unfaithful to Christ. There is no way. In everything, in every place, in business, in recreation, in family, in the church house, at the marketplace, at work, we need to be Christians. Unmistakably Christians. Unmistakably. And that don't mean you wear your hair a certain way. We are to abstain even from the appearance of evil. Shining always as lights in this world. We're lights. Not growing dimmer, but brighter. Not flickering, but constant. Not wavering with every wind of doctrine that blows our way. Our text says, let us go to him, we just read, outside the camp. It's all about him. Let us go to him. It's with him who died for us that we're associated with. It's with him that we labor with. It is with him that we suffer, that we might endure shame. And we, if we go through that even now, we are going to be associated with him hereafter in rest, joy, peace, and glory. What am I talking about? The companionship of Christ. This is what we're called to partake of and enjoy. To glorify Him and enjoy Him. We go forth to Him. He comes to us. And He says, Lo, I am with you always. To know Him is to love Him, is to lean on Him constantly. And after we taste his grace that is boundless, then to work for him, to walk with him outside the camp, it's no hardship. To speak for him as he gives us opportunity, which I'm trying to do here today, to work, to spend, and to be spent in his service, that is our calling. Don't grudge the cost. Count the reproach for Christ greater riches than all the treasures of this world. And let us rejoice that we're permitted to share his shame. And with him, if you're with him now, all shame is glory. With him, all sorrow is gladness. The wilderness with him is a paradise. Pray with me.
Oh, Father, I pray that you would take your word and make it living in the hearts of your people. That you would quicken us to realize that you would quicken us with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead and cause us to realize the greatness, the immense greatness of the issues that are all around us, that surround us, that have descended upon us. The things we're confronted with as we rush toward the judgment seat where our Lord Jesus will manifest himself in glory, where he will give his people according to his grace and his enemies will receive judgment that is fair but is everlasting. Grant to us, O Lord, that we might take heed unto those things that are ours now, the means of grace, your holy word, the time that we have to pray, the time that we have together and encourage one another. Help us, Lord, to heed these things joyfully that we might cast off the works of darkness, that we might put on the armor of light. And we pray this we pray it all and we say all these things that we've said this day for Jesus' sake and in his name. Amen.